Kia This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kia Wellington. It's Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. This is B-Side Stories, stories of the people who make Wellington tick. I'm Laura. And I'm Laurie. Hey, Laurie. Hi, Laura. How you go? It's the dream team. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Love it when we get a Laurie and Laura. That's, uh, yeah. that's a good one. You never know who, you never know who you're quite talking to. <laughs> Plastic-free July is truly upon us with the ban on single-use plastic bags happening officially from July the 1st or on Monday. And being plastic-free is easy to say, but how easy is it to actually do? Because plastic is so integrated with our lives. Well, tonight we are very fortunate to have with us Rachel Benefield, the mum from one family who has managed to move toward being plastic-free and are now inspiring hundreds of others to do the same through Plastic-Free Cup of Tea. Rachel, welcome to B-Side Stories on Access Radio. Oh, kia ora, kia ora Laura and and Laurie and all your visitors and all your listeners. Yay, thank you, Rachel. And we must say we, we love the uh, Laurie and Laura show because it's especially confusing for other people. <laughs> Great. Rachel, just a few quick personal questions if you're okay, but I think just for our listeners to get a sense of, of you and your family, just how many are in your family and what ages are they? Well, um, we're a family of... We're a blended family, so my two daughters and me and my husband and his two daughters. So when we originally started this journey, there were actually one, two, three, four, five of us, plus a dog and two cats. But um, time's moved on. It's been a couple of years, and daughters have all, most of the daughters have left. So there's just now my husband, myself, and my, and my youngest, and uh, still two do- a dog and two cats. So, <laughs> The dog and the cats are possibly easier to be cat plastic free. Ah, you'd think so, yeah. but actually, you do have to be quite careful. Lots mm. of um, of those packages for animals actually come with plastic lining. So, there's solutions out there, though. People, oh, it's all right. Oh, good. All right, I forgot to put pets down on the list. Okay, <laughs> so maybe the the best thing to ask is what what was the actual thing that triggered your family to start start on this plastic free journey? We, we went along to a, a cold old hall and listened to Liam and Hannah from the rubbish trip, um, ah. and they did a presentation with us on in our, within our little community in Paikakariki on how to um, how to live zero waste was their was their message, and um, I just listened very carefully and, and took notes and um, what they said sounded really reasonable. So they they were talking about following the the five R's of zero waste, which is refuse, reduce, reuse, recycle and rot. And I thought, yeah, okay, and I listened carefully and they mm. had all these great solutions. And and um, I thought, well, we can't probably lurch into zero waste at this point because we're, but we're all working and it's a tricky, you know, big family. But I thought we can go for plastic-free. And along, so I tried. I thought, okay, I can do this. And I raided all my cupboards and I... I um, found all the old containers we had around the house because you'd be amazing how much Tupperware you've got yes. when you marry it all up with the lids. <laughs> and um, and then off I, off I went and I was halfway 
to where I thought I was going to go, the Binnen, and um, which is there's loads of Binnens right across the country, and that's where you refill. So that's the refuses refuse single-use plastic and, right. and reduce, and but refill is a big part of that, or reuse, and so you re- reuse your containers. And off I went, and I got halfway there, and I realised I'd forgotten all the containers. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, I'm still going to give it a go, and I went to the supermarket um, just to pack and save, and I did give it a go, and I actually walked out with most of the things I needed, and then I thought, hang on a minute, that was really much easier than I thought it would be. I just had to change my lens and right. do a little bit of solution-based thinking, and luckily I'm a creative, so I, I did that. And um, and so now we, we do follow those five R's, although I've got it, the way I look at it, it's actually 10 R's, so... Okay, <laughs> okay. The the five the five are, are good for most people. So so what you're saying is that one of the first things you had to do, you did to become plastic free, was just start taking your your own containers to buy your food. That's right. So um, when you are refusing, you refuse single use plastic and you replace it with alternatives. And part of the alternative scheme is to um, reuse your own containers, and there are lots of different places you can do that right across the country. Right. Um, in Kapiti, where I live, we have a bin in and we have a Common Sense Organics right next to our supermarket. So I can just, I can just go into Common Sense Organics and buy rice and sugar if I want to, and just use my own containers. Um, or I can go to the bin in and I can refill shampoo, conditioner. Um, you in Wellington, you have one in the hut. Yes, um, and so uh, it's. I haven't. We haven't really lacked for anything. What happened at first really was that we're, as I said, a busy family, and we were just using quite small containers. So we'd go along and fill up our humble little detergent bottle, and then we'd feel frustrated because we had to go back another week or right. week and a half later, and it didn't work for us. So instead, what we started to do was use a, a bigger container, the sort of thing you might have detergent in from the eco store. Right. Or, and so we started using bigger containers and getting bigger amounts. And then we would just whip into pack and save and get, I don't know, fresh produce and cans and things in jars like aioli and um, peanut butter. It's amazing once you change your lens, mm. you actually see the thing you always bought sitting right next to the thing in glass right, and right. paper. Mm. So, and I mean, we always used to buy mueslis. Now we um, buy oats and we buy. We, if we can't get to the bin and we just nick a couple of mushroom bags or use our own reusable bags and um, fill up on raisins and flaxseed and then we just pop it all together. But if you go to somewhere like the bin or wherever you want to go, and there's loads of places in Wellington to go, um, you just can get, at the bin for instance, you can get mueslis and rice bubbles and everything. Yes. So there's no real need to, to feel a sense of, deprivation on this on this way. In fact it's cheaper. Great. And that was something that um yeah I saw that you'd you'd talked about that actually it was becoming cheaper for you as a family. What is the main difference there? Is it because you're you're buying in bulk or is it that you're um being more focused on what you are actually buying? I think it's both actually. Right. I think when you eliminate packaging um, and this is a st- statistic I haven't looked into, but Liam and Hannah said at the rubbish trip that 13% of the p- final product you pay can actually be 
on the marketing and packaging and branding and printing that you're paying for when you buy a plastic wrap product. But also, I would say that in refusing single-use plastic, for instance, I was quite addicted to rice crackers as a, as a oh, healthy... Oh, yes, that's a, fam- they're a, a family favourite. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but when you actually look at what they are, they're, they're not... They don't sustain you when you eat them. The kids rip through them. And what's the alternative? I mean, a mandarin. It's zero waste, and the kids will eat that too. And um, it's better for them. It's got no hidden sodium or palm oil or, you know, sugars. All those things that are marketed to you as health foods are often quite high in, in these nasties that we don't really want. Right, excellent. So, so really, by re- retrain, you're also retraining yourself, and it's becoming healthier for the family as well. Oh, definitely. Interesting. Absolutely. I mean, mm. for instance, my daughters um, all just guzzled milk. It was like you would think they were calves. They all were going through about a, two liters a day, I'd say. And we said, "Look, we're not buying milk anymore. It does. It comes in these plastic bottles that right. aren't recycled and." Um, so we're just going to buy a litre occasionally, you know, in, in one of those cardboard bags, boxes, sorry, and um, we'll use it for, you know, cheese sauce and things. But re- now you just have to you just have to move on, girls. You just have to drink milk. But they all started drinking milk. And, of course, you know, the phlegm and the, the asthma and the do you, eczema. Do you mean water? Wait. Do you mean water? water? Yeah, oh, right. So they switched from milk to water. Sorry, did I say milk? Yeah, yes, I mean, they yes. They switched but, to water. Yes. Oh, wow. And they all started drinking water. And of course, Wellington water is lovely. We're so lucky mm, with our we water. Are. You know, and um, so we we switched to that and we bought a bit of Barker's Cordial and they had that as a treat. But mostly they just drink water. No more fizzy pop. No, yeah. Great. Solutions. Solutions yeah. and, and just change in the way we're doing things. So another big challenge for me, I think, in the plastic-free, and you, and you talked about so shopping with your butcher rather than, than using the um, pack, you know, shopping at the supermarket. And so I guess what that's meant is that there are quite a few stops um you know, on the shop now, which I must say mm. in my community, Newtown, is actually quite lovely. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, how, how are you working with time? Like, have you found that it's taking more time for you to shop plastic-free? Initially, it did, yes. Right. Uh, as I yep. said, we were, when we first, when we were new players to the game, we were going to the butcher, we were going to Sue's Fresh. Mm. We, were, we were whipping in and out of all these stores, and we were much less in the supermarket. We were walking around the periphery of the supermarket, hardly down the aisles at all, you know, just grabbing vegetables, aioli, and beer, basically, and, and leaving and, and taking our containers up for fish. But um, now we, and then we were also trying to go to all these other stores, but now we've got it down to just basically only going to the butcher, I'd say, once a month. So again, it's a distribution of funding, I suppose, like some weeks we'll right. go, to, go to the butcher, and today, for instance, I went to the butcher, and I bought... $30 worth of um, free-range chicken at the mainstream butcher, M&M, and they were happy to take my container. Right, good. No issue at all. They went out the back and they filled it up with way more than I would have got if I had paid, <laughs> you know, 7 right. or $8 for a couple of breasts. I must have had maybe 10 chicken, really huge chicken breasts for $30, which will see us probably through three weeks. Right. Um, 
Yeah, Great. so at least. And actually that's that's good to acknowledge too and, and that's what maybe I've been doing a monthly or a, a bi-weekly shop um, for meat, which we're also trying to cut down on. But yes, and then we're, we're actually one of the systems we need to install is how to freeze it, you know, so like... So you, we divide it and freeze it, and then that yeah, that's working quite exactly. well. Yeah, exactly, Laurie. You just we just um, get home, throw it into two or three other containers that are right. that are ready to go, and pop it in the in the fridge, and then we've got really zero waste to show. Yes, for our butcher. it's good, isn't it? That, I think um, I think that you know what my my family who were not sceptical, just possibly slightly lazy. Um, were most encouraged by seeing that there's no waste to get rid of when you start, pra- you know, practicing your zero waste like journey like that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We don't actually. That's another way that we're saving. We don't have roadside collecting anymore. Um, I'm ah. not sure if you pay for it in Wellington, but in no, we don't. Mm. And we don't. So we hear that we call them the rubbish circus. And all these about four different kinds of trucks come through the village right. and whip off with everybody's rubbish, and everybody's paying about four dollars or something a week. But we don't pay for anything like that because we don't have any. Wow! Um, congratulations. Well, we do have a bit. I mean, we do. We we mm-hmm. we do sometimes, you know. And if it's mm. somebody's birthday, you know, we'll get we'll make um um something special, you know, for for dessert, and we might buy ginger nuts and mascarpone cheese and bacon for their breakfast. But, it's a real, it's a real, part of that whole model of refuse. Mm. The second word is reduce. So, yes, good. you know, you don't say yes to it every day, but it's a special treat. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not about being deprived until industry starts to change its lens as well, which is going to be consumer driven. You know, sometimes you do need to make these concessions. And same goes with medication. I think that if you need medicine, you shouldn't be deprived. But um, I'd actually say that the, the medical industry is probably the only group that really do need plastic for syringes right. and things like that. You know, mm. but the rest of us, we really, we really need to try and drive a different a different direction. Absolutely, and I'd really like to have a chat about industry. But just one question um, for your family. I've got two actually, but um, in terms of your family's pinnacle of success is there any way that you could maybe say roughly what you were putting out prior to becoming plastic free and then to what you're putting out now in terms of rubbish oh sure so um prior to this journey we would have put out um i'd say like a big yellow bag of rubbish we were pretty hopeless actually uh, we were not good role models at all. We just bought it indiscriminately without thinking. And I, that was before China refused to take New Zealand's plastic right. as well in Malaysia. So the conversation I was having in my head was that it was recycled and that soft plastics were right. going somewhere. Um, and now, um, by comparison, I would say we probably have, well, we have our Tetra pack of milk. Um, we have um, the zero waste uh Fair trade, sorry, sticker around our bananas, right. and um, not much else. Unless somebody's got, you know, come down with a cold or the flu or something, and like one of the adults, and or both of the adults, I'd say, and we can't get to the butcher, and we just resorted to buying a bit of free range chicken. But yeah, mostly we're pretty plastic free. Wow. Oh, yes. I would say actually no that. 
the one other thing that we've reduced is is our cheese. So we yes, take I a, wanted a the cheese, cheese story. I think this was a really yeah. good solution. <laughs> it it is a good solution yeah. because this is this is showing people that you're not going to get a slap on the bum in this situation for you know trying your best and, and finding solutions that still involve plastic. So our reduce model for cheese is that we get a giant block of cheese, as big as we can find, um, and then we cut it into about eight pieces. And then we freeze it, and then we take out a piece, and we we really enjoy still the same things we did before, like pasta and lasagna and um, spaghetti. And but we replace the snacky kind of cheese lifestyle with blue cheese and brie and camembert, which comes in metal and papers. And so we we're not really feeling deprived because we we might have a little bit of paper to show for our mm-hmm. our outgoings, but it's still not what it was, which used to really honestly be about a block of cheese a week. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. And possibly um, not so bad for the environment, given our uh, emissions are a, a lot around our agriculture and not so bad, like you say, for the allergies that are going on as well. That's true. That's mm. right. So um, now you've also put yourself out there, really, because this is quite recent. I think it was maybe a year or a year and a half ago that um, it was announced that China couldn't take our waste. And I know that we've had Liam and, and Hannah in on the show here as well. So it's lovely to hear their influence coming full circle to get you mm. on the show. Yeah. And, and, I mean, it's one thing to practice all this, but to actually become an influencer um, what what led to you really putting yourself out there about about the changes that you're making? I think that for me, um, I think that there were two things. One, I saw, I saw other people around me really struggling with plastic mm. and wanting solutions, and I and I felt how they felt the same way. And then I think that little, you know, so often our errors are our guides, and that moment of hitting mm. the highway without my reusable containers <laughs> and still creating an almost plastic-free shop um, made me wise up to just how simple this solution was. And, mm. you know, you've got um, David Attenborough wringing his hands and saying, what do we do, what do we do? And, and the message was so often just use a reusable coffee cup or uh, get a metal straw. And I thought, but it's so much bigger than that, you know. And, and so that's one of the reasons that I felt that I could make a difference right. and that I was living the change and that my friends were asking me, how are you doing this? Why, why are you doing this? And how do you do this? And so I started telling everybody, but it just, every, I realized how much people wanted to know this. And mm. everywhere I went, I was getting shoulder tapped. I felt like, a power, like I was on a broken record. Um, you <laughs> and know, and you're still being those, asked. <laughs> yeah, all their gossipy girl conversations and good laughs about the kids behind their back. And instead it was all about... Um, how to shop plastic free. Right. So I thought, okay, I will go. I'm really shy. So I thought, I will, um, not really shy, but quite shy at presentations initially. So I thought, I'll go to Toastmasters and upskill myself and figure out how to how to communicate this, and then I'll start doing presentations. So I took that Fantastic, step, and then I Rachel. <laughs> decided to run presentations, and I found that I quite enjoy um, talking to people in large groups, and, and I suppose it's that. Irish gift of the gab, I thought, I can do this. So I started doing that, and then I realized that I was going to wear myself out even that way. So then I started to think, okay, I can use my my skills, and we've all got skills, and one of the things I can do is draw. 
so I started to write a book on how to shop plastic-free. And initially, it was just going to be a little blog, but the next thing I knew, I was illustrating every panel, and, and then it turned into a 45-page graphic novel. And so now I have this, which I'm sitting right beside here in my studio. And the next step is just to get that out there so that, I mean, it's written so that a 12-year-old could read it or, or you and I could read it and wow. be very informed by by what's going on in the world and, and how we how we can change it. Congratulations. Yeah. That's amazing, Rachel. So are we going to actually see this book on the shelves to be able to give yeah. as gifts yeah. to our friends? Yeah, originally I was going to self-publish it. Um, but as um, I, you know, as I moved through the world, I realised that I was actually self-limiting the, the reality of this book and that I'd only be selling it to my friends and Fano and my extended circle of friends, which might turn out to be 200 or 300 people. And I thought, well, actually, I want this in wider distribution and I want an international distribution. So I want to write one that's targeted Australia and one that's targeted at Great Britain and, and, and the UK. So um, so now I'm looking next step after Plastic Free July and all the presentations I'm doing is to, is to seek a publisher to, to get this out there in the world. Okay. Oh, my goodness. So exciting. Okay. Yeah, Laura, please. Uh, <laughs> um, kia ora. It's Laura jumping in with a question here. Great. Uh, hey, um, uh, I wondered if there was w- one particular problem or one sort of I- image that you, um, I guess, were... Uh, uh, really driven to solve whether it's climate change or or you know those images we see of turtles and seabirds eating plastic in our oceans or uh, if, if there was anything in particular that you sort of look to the future and that better future with a lot less plastic in the world that that will sort of help to resolve definitely i i feel that um uh, i'm live right by the sea and I was walking mm. a lot, often by the beach and picking up plastic and participating in um, beach cleanups and I really did feel like the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff who, you know, I was contributing to the same things I was picking up and so I felt motivated um, on an ecological point of view and in my research as I started to write the book taught me more about the toxic nature of plastic and um, it's, almost, it's almost a perfect molecule. If, if a evil genius wanted to invent something, this would be perfect because um, plastic never goes away, as your listeners may know. It just breaks down into smaller and smaller pieces, and on a molecular level, it's always here. So every single piece of plastic we use in our entire lives is still here on the planet in some form right now. And that's quite, I find that quite a confronting um, moment to, to realise that those Malibu Barbies I had as a child and my Womble um, plastic crayons, they're still here somewhere. Mm. So, you know, um, and I and I want to be a good person. That's not what I want mm. to leave behind. So that, that probably is bad and, and also like many people, a, a strong connection with, um, with nature. And I think also we're so sold this dystopian future that... Um, that it, it comes through so much in Mad Max and, you know, you, in the media and also even as children and some of us have, and through the Bible and the Old Testament, this whole Armageddon kind of, it, you know, <laughs> the end will come and the doomsday clock. And I, I just really want to start moving towards a utopian future from here, from this moment on. I want us all to start revisiting what our legacy is 
and move as if it's already illegal to create synthetic plastic and, and synthetic fabrics and synthetic toys, and we're now, right now choosing a completely different path. Right. Wow. That's a big vision. What gives you hope, Rachel, that we can, we can get to that utopian vision? I, I do think that there's a huge amount of hope. I think that if you look at um, statistics on how change happens in society, um, officially, you know, if you go, say, watch a Harvard study, you might find that it's 25% of the population can swing a paradigm or a, a, an opinion of the, of the group. But actually, they've, when they've analysed history, they've found that it can be as little as 6% of the population that can change and shift um, the group and you, for example, um, Gandhi and um, even if you look in our own history, recent history, the uh, New Zealand Nuclear Free Movement that just started in Christchurch in the 1950s right. with a little group of Christchurch people meeting around someone Mary's kitchen table. Um, they were just a group of pacifists, or the French Revolution. That's doesn't it just takes a small sustained group of people to really care to shift the common denominator and and also like um smoking you know a mm. lot of people agree with smoking but a small sustained group of people said no you we don't want you smoking in workplaces in pubs in cars with your children and now that's frowned upon and so it only really takes a small amount of us to say, no, we, we want change, and to enact change. And, and I saw this, um, when I was much younger, I helped run a group called Save Animals from Exploitation, and, and we tried really hard to get factory farming um, legislation changed and the animal welfare code changed for pigs and chickens. And we, we worked away with um, Animal Action in Wellington and Sue Kedgley's office and the Wellington, uh, sorry, National Office of the SPCA, and uh, the body shop, and we, we just did all these wow. presentations, and at the end of it, the um, Minister of um, Agriculture came back and said, we will look into phasing out some of these standards in the next 10 years. And we all felt quite deflated, and by then I had a child, and I said, okay, okay, that's, that's where we got to. But now, in our local supermarket, you can only buy free-range chicken. Ex uh, sorry, free-range eggs. Right, and you can um, you can pick up free range chicken on a supermarket shelf right across the country, and free range ham, and um, bacon. So the world's shifted from consumer Absolutely. pressure, and even people at waste minimisation in Wellington um, and Kapiti admit that the driving change is going to be consumer demand. Right. But if yeah, that so it's up to us. It's so up to us. Great. And we are their dollar. Great. They exactly. want our dollar and we get to vote with it. You know, we are their source of income. That if we is... say we don't want this, we, it will change. And we, you already see that. I, I had to go to Spotlight today because I was, pardon me, I'm helping um, with, a, with an initiative to, to make sanitary pads. And I, when I was walking around there, reusable sanitary pads with girls up at Kapiti College, and I, Great. I looked around and them. Yes, there was still a lot of things in plastic, but there was a lot of stuff that was package-free. And I don't know if that means there's a whole bunch of plastic sitting out the back of Spotlight. Maybe it does. But certainly on the shelves, lots of things were just in cardboard. And I know a lot of people with a, um, who are carbon-savvy would say, but that cardboard's, you know, it's got a big footprint and we don't want to start 
burning down more trees, and I would agree. I say get rid of the cardboard. Get, get, you know, reduce your downstream waste as much as possible Abs- and, and recycle and reuse. Absolutely. And by second hand, for sure. So, Rachel, just with a few quickies, because time, time is creaking, creeping up on us, I've got a couple of quick questions and then we can talk about the initiatives that you've got coming up. What could a council do to stop plastic, in your view? What can council do? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what district council can do. I don't know. People think district councils have a lot of influence and they, they don't have as much mm. influence on pro- food producers. They're also like at the bottom of the cliff, aren't they? That's it, not really their area. Mm. They're really municipals. That's what they're there for. And what this they could do is make industrial compostable um, much more spread across the country because packaging needs to shift and a lot of packaging is coming out now and it's saying compostable and there's a lot of confusion around home compostable and industrial compostable. And industrial compostable facilities can't really cope with with it if it says it's home compostable. And often even if it says it's industrial compostable because there just isn't that infrastructure there. Right. I, I actually do feel that district councils and, uh, yeah, like they've just written a great, you know, a great big guide um, at Carpe District Council, one of the people I was talking to was telling me about it, and the working group was the stakeholders, and the stakeholders were plastic companies. So wow, they are always looking to business mm. and how can they work with business. Interesting. So honestly, I, I, again, I'd say it's going to come down to us, and they will, supply will follow demand. Great. So demand is the setup. It's the thing. What about as communities, what can we do to shift the situation on plastic? In communities, we have such a wonderful online community, so many online right. resources yep. there. We've got Zero, um, Zero Waste New Zealand has got more than 20,000 members and they're a really beautiful um, set up. I, I know a lot of different people, like privately, a friend of mine um, in Levin, she set up a group called Settle and Be Groceries, and she sells whole local organic food, which is in bins. You can go there and buy. Um, I think as individuals, we can make a difference in the way that we shop. And I think as um, producers, a lot of us have a sphere of influence. You know, New Zealand producers get behind um, these initiatives a lot faster, I think, than we they've given credit for. Right. Yeah, so... Great. I, I think maybe a repair cafe, like I'm running a repair cafe yes. this weekend. And, um, let's launch into that. Just maybe let's go to your, what What have you got coming up, Rachel, that people can get involved with over Plastic Free July? Well, I've got three presentations that I'm making um, on how to shop plastic free, which is basically me bearing my cupboards and all the solutions that I've found on this journey. So I've got one in Paikakariki on the 12th of July, one in Memorial Hall on the um, in, in Paraparu Umu on the 26th of July. I'm not saying this in order. No, <laughs> and one good. of them in Ōtaki on the 19th of July. But if you go to um, Plastic Free Kapiti, that information's there if you want to catch that. And also, I'm running a repair cafe this Sunday in St Peter's Hall in um, in Paikakariki, and that's sponsored by Carpety District Council. This is the kind of thing that people can apply for. You know, they have yes. waste minimisation grants, and people can get behind this kind of scheme. 
And that's to encourage things to stay out of uh, landfill and become something that has an extended life. Great. So there's electrical and electronic fixing, um, sewing repairs, beeswax, wrap refreshes, which you know how they get a bit scuddy. Yes, Somebody yes. puts on a dishwasher by accident and it looks like a wet blanket. Um, we're having a reusable pad sewing bee, which is led by um, Girls Up in Kapiti, and Great. I think we're going to turn that into a cottage industry. Uh, small mechanical repairs, tool sharpening, toy mending, and zero waste cleaning product makery. So there's also an actual cafe. So if you want to, this event is free, but if you want to bring a few coins, the local scouts are running a sticky bun situation that sounds great Rachel um, and I think we have a repair cafe in Newtown and I think uh, listeners do look out for what's happening at the Sustainability Trust as well and there's um, a lot going on this weekend or this month so there's there's yeah and I must say I signed up I thought that I was but I haven't signed up to a pledge for Plastic Free July this morning, and that felt like a really positive thing to do. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And if your if your if your um, listeners want to know anything more about where to shop zero waste or plastic free, they should go to www.therubbishtrip.co.nz. Right. Great. And they do regional shopping guides right across the country. So. Fantastic. That's yeah. amazing. Okay, I think we should do a quick round of your favourite plastic free tip. Uh, Laura, Rachel, we'll start with you. What's your fa- yeah, since you're hot on topic and we can think about it? What's your best plastic-free tip for a family? Uh, I would say involve your young people. I think people underestimate um, mm, children nice. and all the other stuff is out there. But I think for us, um, our youngest member became one of our staunchest. Wow. Um, members. I remember shopping in the supermarket and her shouting, Mum, that's got a plastic free lid, a plastic lid. And I was like, shh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> sort of, young people really, really care about the environment and the future. And this is something they can do that gives them agency for change. And I think the more the, mer- the more you can uh, um, empower them, then the better. And this is something they actually can do. That is beautiful. I'm just having a moment because that's actually, uh, I've got the vision on that. So thank you. Involve your young people. Laura, do you have a tip for the listeners? Do you have a favourite one for home? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for giving me a chance to think about it. Yeah. But for for me, a big one for me, which I'm still trying to do consistently, is um, either this is for working and when you're working in the city, uh, it's so easy to pop out and get your lunch and it's in a plastic container. So bring your lunch to work. It, simple, saves money. Or if you're going to pop out, bring a container with you. Pretty much everywhere I've been in Wellington, they're happy to put their food in a takeaway container that you've brought along and it saves you that packaging. You can reuse that container every lunchtime you need it. Awesome. Go, Laura. I've seen you trotting around town with your container. Very good. Very good. It's the it's the hot thing right now. Yeah. And um, mine will be one that I saw on your Facebook page, Rachel. But I think the, you know, that's the biggest. We people love the plastic bag for the bin liner. I haven't heard it recently, but just lining the bin with some newspaper, and actually keeping your rubbish clean because you have so little. Actually, it doesn't matter. So. Keeping yeah. it clean really helps um, to, out, to reduce your food it. Food scraps out of landfill is yeah. really important for oh, our yeah. carbon footprint as well. Yeah. And if you and my daughter, when she went flatting, they didn't have a compost bin. 
they just took their um, their compost containers next door where they did have one, and you know they got lemons in exchange. So brilliant, happy neighbours. <laughs> that sounds like a good circular system, <laughs> a good circular neighbourhood right there. Rachel Benefield from um, Plas- Plastic Free Carpety, thank you so much for joining us on Access Radio and B Side Stories this evening. Well, I think we're feeling well inspired, Laura. Absolutely. To crack on with Plastic Free July. Thank you, Rachel. Woo-hoo. You're so welcome. Yay, great warm-up. Thank you. And we'll just go on to a little bit of Trinity Roots, Homeland and Sea. Bye, Wellington. Bye, Wellington. Thank you, Rachel. Happy Plastic Free July, everyone. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks, New Zealand On Air, for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.